Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Really excited you can all be with us today. Baptism, I love baptism. Um, we had, I might mention you, in Birmingham when we were up there, we had... Um, Took a big hole in the floor, and we invited a, a, a fiberglass company to make a baptistry for us. And they were so, like, what do you use this big blue tank for? We said, we fill it full of water, we put people in. They were like, really? And I said, yeah, that's what we do. And uh, it's an odd thing, isn't it? It started way back with a man called John the Baptist. He was out in the, in the wilderness of the Jordan, and he was, um, he was calling people to repent, which is quite a, a religious-sounding word. But all it means is, why not turn around and walk this way and walk back towards God, a God who loves you and cares for you. And so he called people out into the wilderness and said, come, and I'm going to plunge you into this dirty river Jordan as a symbol. Because baptized means to plunge somebody into liquid underwater. And I'm going to plunge you in. And that's going to be a symbol of your choice for new life. It's going to be an outward sign of an inward decision that you want new life. You've chosen to go from that way to this way. You've chosen to move back towards God rather than away from him. So this washing symbolized this change. It symbolized this new life. And that's what we're going to be doing today with this water here. But it turned out that John was just the warm-up act for someone greater. John said something quite strange. He said, after me, he's going to come someone more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie. I'm going to baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And you can imagine the people thinking, what is John talking about? We don't, can't see this person. What is this person going to do? And then onto the stage walks the person of Jesus Christ. And he begins to go around preaching the kingdom of God, talking about the love of God and the grace of God and practicing miracles and demonstrating God's love breaking in. And he said something even more profound. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. And baptism is a picture of what Jesus was talking about. Because we start by losing our lives as we go under that water. Our old life goes under that water and is buried. And this starts when we recognize that someone more powerful than us exists in this universe. Because for most of us, we see ourselves as the center of the universe, don't we? We are the most important person in the universe. Our life revolves around the person of us. But John said someone more powerful is going to come, and that's the person you need to orientate your life around. That's the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said if you choose to do that, then your old life will die, and a new life will begin. So when you choose to follow Jesus, you literally you, you give him the steering wheel of your life. You say you are now a better person than I am to guide this life of mine. You're a better person to be in control. I'm going to submit my life to you and ask you to help me lead a better life, a more fruitful life, a more productive life. And the first part of that handing over our life to God is for our old self to be buried in baptism. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 6. We get buried under that water. Because Jesus went to the cross for us, he died for us, he took all the bad stuff on himself for us, all the bad choices, the bad thoughts, the bad actions, he took them on himself. We talked about this last Sunday, didn't we, on our Easter service, all the stains 
coming onto the person of Jesus Christ. And then he died and he was buried. He was buried. His death was documented. It did happen. And he was buried. But then three days later, he rose again. He was resurrected. He became the person who, the first person actually to ever conquer death. And so as we go into that water, the first part is a symbol, the symbolism of us actually dying and being buried with Jesus. The guys being baptized, they'd be thankful to know we don't hold them down there for three days. <laughs> Even three minutes. Maybe three seconds, depending on how we're feeling. But as they come out of that water again, it symbolizes new resurrection life. The old has gone, the new has come. And as they're raised to life, they're raised to life not only on this earth, but raised to a future life, an eternal hope of being with God forever. So baptism is this, is this wonderful symbolic action that, that tells someone, tell, well, tells you about something that people have cho- chosen to do internally. They've chosen to make him Lord and they've chosen to get rid of their old ways, to do a 180 and move towards life and love in Christ. And that invitation is for everyone, not just for the people getting baptized today. That invitation goes out to everyone in this room. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will give you new life. I will give you new hope. I will give you new identity. And it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. Nothing disqualifies you from receiving the free gift of Christ's love. So in a moment, Annabelle and Anna and Casey and Claire and Andy are going to make this journey, this symbolic journey through this water. And you're here to witness that fact. You're here to witness this demonstration of an internal change that's taken place for them. They'll confess their faith in Jesus, their old self will be buried in the water, and their new self will rise. And if you've been baptized in the past, today is a great moment for you to reflect on your baptism. You know, it might have been a long time ago, it might have been a recent event, but you can think about how do I more readily follow Jesus today? How do I more readily receive his life today? Does God need to breathe new life on your faith so you can live the life that he promises? And if you're following Jesus but not yet been baptized, I'd encourage you to think about it because it's a really important step on your journey with him. Jesus went to John and was baptized himself. Jesus had no need to repent. He was already traveling in the right direction. But he said, I'm going to do this to, to show that what John was doing was important. And so baptism doesn't make us a follower of Christ. It's just an important milestone on our journey. So if you've not yet been baptized, maybe talk to the guys that after they've come out of the water and say, what was that like? You know, why did you choose to get baptized? I know it's a bit scary being the center of attention, but it's really important in terms of your discipleship journey. And if you're here as a family member or a friend, you've come to support someone today and this all seems a bit strange to you, well, I want to encourage you to have an open heart to what God might be saying to you today. There's lots and lots of voices out there trying to get your attention. But the one voice you should be listening to is the heart of God for you. Because there's a God who loves you. There's a God who cares for you. There's a God who died for you. And his is the most important voice in this universe that you can hear. And I, I just want to pray that your heart will be open today as these people share their testimony, their personal journey of how they discover God's love, that your heart would also be open to receive God's love for yourself. Because it's not just for the people getting baptized. It's for every single person who opens their heart to God. That call goes out to every person. Jesus said, 
my promise is for you and your children and for your children's children, for the people who are near and for the people who are far away. God's promise goes out across the face of the whole earth and says, come to me and receive new life, new purpose, new identity. So we're going to just pause for a moment. I'm just going to pray and then we're going to invite parents of under five to go out and bring their children in. I'm going to get changed as will a few other people and we'll come back and then we'll start hearing some of the stories. Is that okay? So let's just still our hearts. You might want to close your eyes. I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this significant day today. We thank you for what this water symbolizes. We thank you, God, that you promised new life for us. And Lord, we pray for Annabelle, for Anna, for Casey, for Claire, and for Andy today. As they make this journey through this water, God, that you would bless them. And the seed of new life that is in them, God, would spring into life and bear much fruit. And I pray for every person here today. I pray blessing upon us, God, because this is a significant thing that we're witnessing. And I pray, God, you cause your spirit in us to stir up God today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you're a parent of an under five, you need to go and sign them out now. The rest you can just turn and chat briefly while we get ourselves organised the next few minutes. Thank you. Right, I think we're ready. Now I want lots of smiles from you because when you stand up here, you can all look a bit scary and some of these people have never spoken publicly before. So please, lots of big smiles for everyone. There's a lot of nerves and there's an awful lot of emotion going on today. Great, great stories. So be prepared to cry, um, which is fantastic. But, you know, please look smiley and happy and lovely with them. So... Without further ado, I'd like to give a warm welcome to Annabelle. Don't forget to have the mic close to your mouth. Okay, okay, hi. Um, I can use the camera phone on. Um, now it doesn't work. Okay, uh-huh. hi, I'm Annabelle. <laughs> I'm 12 and I came to Riverside when I was 8. To be honest, when I was younger, I thought church was a thing that you went to if you didn't have anything to do that day. But I've realised that it's much more than that. I've realised that it's a place to worship God and recognise what Jesus did to us to save us from sins. I chose to be baptised because one night I dreamt that Jesus came to me and told me that it was time to get baptised because I believed in him. I moved up from Crunch to T16 in September and I remember that in Crunch we sometimes had reflecting times where we got to take a pillow or beanbag into our own space or into the corridor and we'd have a piece of paper to write or draw things that we learnt and how it tied into Jesus and our faith. I remember particularly that one Sunday we had a chance to pray and talk to Jesus. On this day I probably realised that he was real and I could trust him with my worries and fears and that's why today I'm going to get baptised in front of you. Thank you for listening. Didn't she do great? Well done, Annabelle. Now let's give a huge welcome to Anna. Hold the mic close to your mouth. Okay. Hi. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Anna Newman. You may know my parents, Paula Linda. I'm 13 years old and I feel like this is the next stage in my life. I feel like God has been asking me to be, get baptised. I've grown up in a church loving Jesus. Hold on. <laughs> um, 
Loving Jesus. Um, when I was younger, I lived in Maidstone, where I went to church until I was two. We then moved to Whitstable, and I joined TUC, now known as Riverside. I have been to this church ever since. My knowledge has increased through some amazing youth leaders that I got to meet. I never remember saying a prayer or anything at a young age, but I always, belie- but I always believed. Um, when I was about 10, my mum got me a devotional book that had a prayer in it saying that I give my life to God. I then prayed that prayer. I've been very grateful to grow up in a loving family who go to church. Uh, also, lots of our wider family love God and have been good influences on me. I had, I had prayed for, to have a Christian friend at school with me at the start of year nine in September. I ended up sitting next to Naomi Nottage. Um, uh, in our first lesson and it turned out we were together in most lessons I later realised she was a Christian which was amazing because we can encourage each other I felt this was a real answer to prayer when I was six years old my dad was rushed into hospital later transferred to King's um, with a bleed in the brain he ended up on life support with his organ shutting down we had to rush up there one morning when we were told that he might not make it I remember many people from church helping out and praying for him. God healed my dad, which is amazing. Lots happened at that time, which helped me have a better understanding of God and whatever he decides to do in our lives, we can trust him. The Bible tells you to get baptized in Mark 16:16, 16, 16, where it says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Uh, so today I choose to get baptized because I love Jesus and I want to take the next step of obedience. Thank you. Well done, you two. So exciting that they're making these decisions at such a a lovely young age, which will carry them through for the rest of their lives. We're really proud of you both. Right, let's give Casey a huge round of applause. (laughs) The testimonies might now get a bit longer. Hi everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Casey and I'm married to Dave and have two children, Joseph who is 19 and Lily who is 11. This is my story. Um, I met Dave 26 years ago and we got married in 1998 and had our amazing son Joseph in 2000. It became apparent to us very early on that Joseph had special needs, but this became a huge battle moving forward with the medical professionals. I was having to push every step of the way for diagnoses and support for Joseph, David and I. Life was exhausting. It was a very difficult and stressful time. However, during these times, I did have a sense that God had given me a son with special needs for a reason. As time passed, I learned patience, compassion, understanding, and empathy, feelings which have been hugely helpful in my life. We found out later that through this whole period of time, we had been on the prayer chain at Whitstable Baptist Church and had been constantly prayed for. No wonder I had felt the presence of God. In 2007, the Lord blessed us with our beautiful daughter, Lily, who helped repair us and brought so much joy into our lives. It was in 2010 that I was taken very seriously ill and rushed to hospital in bleed, but scans revealed nothing, and I was sent home after a few days with a suggestion that I had suffered a migraine attack. 
and I'm missing a page. <laughs> no, don't worry. Um, no, it's missing. Um, let me just find myself. Uh, it took a couple of years because um, I was in hospital about four other, ca- uh, other occasions and uh, the medical professionals didn't know what was wrong with me and uh, I spent two years relentlessly uh, pursuing a diagnosis which I finally got at King's College Hospital London uh, where I was diagnosed with a potentially life-threatening uh, hormone deficiency which meant I was going to take medication three times a day for the rest of my life, uh, basically to keep me alive. Um, But at this time, I also decided to embark on um, a new career. Uh, I had been working for the NHS as a secretary, but had resigned because I'd been so poorly. Um, So I had felt really inspired by the lack of support for children with special needs that I decided that I wanted to train to become a counsellor. Um, and support parents. Uh, So I embarked on a four-year career, uh, well, four-year training, um, which was due, I was due to complete in February 2016. Um, And was handing in a final portfolio at this time. Uh, But in December 2015, on Christmas Day, I discovered a lump in my breast, uh, which was terrifying, And uh, on the 12th of January, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, At this time, it was just before I was due to hand in my portfolio, I didn't know what my prognosis would be, whether or not I would actually survive and go on to have a career in counselling. But I had my surgery in February... And I handed my portfolio in the day before, uh, which was very poignant. Um, I then had to wait two weeks for my results and was told two weeks later that I did not require any further treatment. And and that was fantastic news that I didn't need uh, to have chemotherapy or radiotherapy. Um, I later found out I did pass my portfolio and qualified as a counsellor. I took a year out to repair and recover and I then started volunteering at Canterbury College um, for a year and then it was a chance meeting with a friend of Dave's who introduced me to Stillwaters Uh, and Stillwaters are a fantastic charity that provide, a Christian-based charity that provide counselling and this is something I felt really passionate about. It's based in Thanet and I really felt that... um, Whitstable and the local area could really benefit from this so I decided that I needed to sort of deliver some leaflets um, to Riverside Church and the other churches in the area I have just remembered as well I've forgotten something really amazing that after I was diagnosed with cancer um, the next day I was completely and utterly broken uh, on the floor, everything I thought I knew in my life, I didn't know any. I didn't know anything anymore. Um, and it was at this moment that I had an amazing experience. Um, and I can't really explain it other than I felt completely and utterly filled with some amazing energy, and um, and it just made me feel so 
full of strength um, and I didn't know what this was and it certainly hadn't occurred to me at the time that I had been filled with the Holy Spirit but upon reflection now and looking back retrospectively I have no doubt that that's what had happened um, I was overflowing yeah I felt so strong I mean I think Dave thought I was completely crazy because I I had this really overwhelming sense that even though it was so awful that this experience that I was having I was going to gain something amazing out of it um and so yes at this point I'd like to say that it still hadn't occurred to me that this was Jesus and I was being filled with the Holy Spirit and he must have been really wondering when I was going to pay attention and realize um so yes, I went on to have my surgery. I ended up sort of working for Stillwaters. And it was on Thursday, it was a Thursday in May 2018, and I had had supervision in Thanet. It was lunchtime, and I was really, really hungry. Um, but I'd thought about taking some leaflets to Riverside Church. But before I was going to go, I popped into Sainsbury's to get some lunch to have at home. Uh, I remember getting in the car and considering if I was actually too hungry to go to the church and that I might just head home. So I got in my car and before I knew where I was going, I found myself driving into Riverside Car Park almost unintentionally. Bearing in mind, I was not even looking for a church to attend, let alone looking for Jesus. I was going to Riverside to spread the word of Stillwaters. I walked in, met with Simon and Keeley, who I chatted with about Stillwaters, and after being with them for a while, was invited to come and see a service on Sunday. I felt such a feeling of pure happiness and excitement that I couldn't understand or explain. I had to phone Dave and share this feeling and to ask his thoughts on attending the service on Sunday. We both agreed we would go, and we did, and we absolutely loved it. I hadn't experienced anything like it in my life. Suddenly, I was in a place where I could feel the presence of God and could see a relationship starting for the first time. A passion was truly stirred in my heart. We came every week from then on, and my relationship with Jesus started to grow. I attended an Alpha course recently, during which I decided to ask Jesus into my life. Since then, he has shown me a movie in my head of all the times I suffered and struggled and how he was right there beside me, holding me, carrying me, loving me, looking for me, the times he guided me with choices I have made and places I have been. My life has changed from the inside out. I am full up with Jesus. I am free from all addiction. He has removed all the fear that I have in my life because I trust him. I have been healed and no longer suffer from any medical conditions. I have been set free. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. I couldn't, I couldn't resist that bit. I haven't finished, though. What, what is truly amazing is that Jesus pursued me even though I was not looking for him or felt that I needed him in my life. And there was just one last amazing experience I've had this week that I wanted to share with you. I'd spent some time with God this week, telling him how excited I was about being baptized and my thoughts of feeling and feelings around this. Um, and I suddenly had some words come into my head. Ephesians three sixteen. This was so strange to me as I have absolutely no Bible knowledge at all. 
and so didn't understand what this was. Well, when I looked it up, this is what it says. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with his power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Wow, what a message from God for me. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Carry on clapping as we welcome Claire. It's almost exactly 17 years ago that I came to church as an adult. I'd spent four months trying to get pregnant, which I know in the scheme of things isn't that long. But as I'd woken up to my period, I felt sad, deflated and in some need of support, a way to deal with the stuff now whirling round my head. I'd been christened as a child, the thing most people did back in the 1970s, and had been to Sunday school most weeks until I was about 11 and we moved to Canterbury. I enjoyed hearing the Bible stories, but we didn't actively practice any sort of religion at home. I'm sure it was more to do with my parents getting a couple of hours peace on a Sunday morning, as at that point you could drop off the children and collect them at the end of the service, with most parents going home in between. When my parents split up and we moved to Canterbury, Going to church stopped, and although I read lots about religion at school to try and increase my knowledge, there really wasn't any kind of support. We sang hymns in assembly and muttered the Lord's Prayer, but that was about as far as it went. I watched with interest as my Catholic friends went through the process of confirmation and had many chats with my best friend Imogen, who was a Quaker. I knew that something was there, but struggled to work out where it all fitted in with my life and how the stories that I knew pieced together with the words in the small red Gideon Bible that I'd been given when I started secondary school. The RE lessons at school didn't seem to answer my questions, and my only experience of church was church parade once a month with the guides and brownies. And that being in a high Anglican church, to me at the time, it just seemed like a whole load of stand up, sit down, he says this, you say that, you all say amen, let's all turn to face the middle while the gospel's being read and then make the sign of the peace and hug a complete stranger. (laughs) I used to come out being glad it was over and thinking, what on earth was all that about? (laughs) A school trip to Aylesford Priory when I was 15 sparked a brief interest in Catholicism as I was able to pick up some what we believe type leaflets in the gift shop but I struggled with the thought that this didn't tie in with the behaviours of some of the people that I knew to be Catholics, and there was a bit too much because we said so rather than what is actually in the Bible. Many of the girls at school who'd been through their confirmation just couldn't seem to explain any of it in a way that made any more sense, and the RE teacher was not much better. I continued to explore my faith by reading all I could in the library back in the days before Google, and by chatting to a new girl that came to our school when I was about 15 called Tracy, who was part of the Exclusive Brethren. They were a very traditional and conservative Christian group that I'd never heard of before, but she was happy to explain to me why she believed some of the things that she did and back this up with Bible references that I could look at and at least see how it could be interpreted in that particular way if you chose to do so. She caused me to think that a Bible-based church of some sort must be the answer. And as a logical person, I like to make my mind up based on the information that I have rather than just being told what to do. I didn't really give it any more thought until my, throughout my uni and young adult days. Sunday mornings were for lions, and I told myself I didn't have time to go to church even if I'd wanted to. I felt that I would have had to give up everything that I enjoyed doing, and to be fair, 
after coming out of an emotionally controlling relationship, rebuilding my self-esteem and forging my career at this point took priority. So going back to that day 17 years ago, when I found myself seeking inspiration and comfort, I decided to go to church. Laura's dad was away for the weekend, and I set off in the car to find a local church. But it was 10.15 in the morning, and as I drove up to all the churches I knew of in the area, the service had already started at 10 o'clock, and I wasn't about to walk in late and have everyone look at me. I ended up at a Baptist church in Portsmouth, where the service started at 11 o'clock and decided to go inside. I was made to feel so welcome, and it was a completely different sort of atmosphere than I expected. It was my first experience of modern worship music, and the very first piece played was Come Now is the Time to Worship. You know the one, I'm not going to sing it now, but there's a line in it that says, Come just as you are to worship, and it made me feel that I didn't need to pretend anymore, and that this was the right place to be. As part of the sermon, we saw a clip of a video on the screen, again, something completely alien to me in terms of what I thought church to be. And it was part of the film The Matrix with Keanu Reeves. It was that bit where he has to make the choice between the red pill and the blue pill, although I can't remember now the underlying sermon or message. But I remember that it felt real, relevant, and as if the pastor was talking directly to me. I left the service feeling elated, motivated, and I went back every so often over the next couple of years, each time being made to feel welcome and included and learning that little bit more about how this was all relevant to me. Over the next few years, I had a baby and moved house twice, but then my marriage failed and I was left in turmoil with an 18-month-old, a job to hold down and again looking for some support. I decided that it was time to try church again and took Laura to a service at a church we could walk to from home. It was held in a hall and although the vicar was pleasant, it just didn't have the same atmosphere and didn't feel right. I then tried a family-friendly Christmas crib service at a local Anglican church and was shocked when not a single person came over to say hello to us or even made a nod and smile type eye contact. On a weekend when Laura was at her dad's, I thought I'd go back to what I knew and I decided I'd brave the Baptist church in the high street. And to my delight, I was made to feel welcome. It had the same modern feel and I was introduced to people who ran the creche. Over the next eight years, we went every week. I joined a home group, I did an alpha course, and it helped me along in my journey. I met some amazing people, some of which came to Riverside with us when we felt prompted to move churches about two and a half years ago. I would say that I probably became a Christian about ten years ago. There was no light bulb road to Damascus type event, just a feeling that God was real, and I accepted that Jesus died for me and that his was the path for me to follow. Over that time, I've become confident for people to know that I go to church and I'm a Christian, and my friends and family accept it as who I am. I found that once I became a Christian, a lot of my behaviours changed, not because I had to, but because I wanted to. It felt aligned with my values of integrity and honesty, and I thought nothing of pointing out to the cashier in B&Q that she'd missed a bag of compost off my bill, or that I'd been given too much change in a cafe. I've been fortunate to meet other Christians along my journey that have supported me and found that over the years, as I've become more confident to mention my faith, I found out that other people that I knew at work and socially were also Christians. I was even so brave as to buy a friend of mine a Bible because she told me that she didn't have one. Now, life has not all been rosy. I've been divorced, a single parent, lost my mum and gone through some stuff that would make the strongest person fall apart, but I didn't. Days when everything seemed to go wrong and I really didn't know how to carry on. 
Days when I simply couldn't understand why, if God had the power to end my suffering and bring me out of the situation, he didn't. Days where I sang worship songs in the car or the shower with tears streaming down my face, just trying to find a way to get through the day. Days where the knowledge that he wanted me, even if no one else did, and that one day he'd come back for me, was the only thing that got me to bedtime. I told myself I just needed to get through one more day, one day closer to that day when he comes, one day closer to the end of all the pain. Maybe it'll be tomorrow. And no, Keely, I'm not singing that. I've always believed that everything happens for a reason, and I suppose I came to the realisation that if I'm not in control of my life, the only person I'd be prepared to hand my life over to is God. I'm not good at people telling me what to do, and I wouldn't trust a person with my life. But God, that's a whole different concept. It's truly liberating to know that I'm forgiven, and it's helped me forgive myself and people in my past and present who have hurt or wronged me. I've found myself praying for those who persecute me and letting go of pain that historically would have eaten me up inside. I feel that I belong at Riverside as part of a community and have found a place to call home. So many people have supported me in my journey and I simply cannot name them all here and now, but you know who you are and more importantly, so does God. I know that I'm part of his plan and it's taken me time to learn to practice, to learn the patience that everything happens in his time, not in ours. If I'm honest, I'd like a few more pointers from him now to know that I'm on the right path. But I work on the principle that if I try to align myself with his values, then hopefully I'm on the right path. And if not, he'll nudge me in the right direction. There's a great expression that I read on the cover of a book in the religion section at Waterstones many years back. It says, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. And when Keeley mentioned baptisms in the new year, I felt that now was the right time for me to put my money where my mouth is, so to speak. And here I am. It's part of my journey. I know it's not the be-all and end-all, but it is important, and I'm so glad to be able to share it with you guys. And last but absolutely not least, it's Andy. Hello, for, no, for those who don't know me, my name is Andy. I was born in Maidstone in 1966. I grew up in a violent, uh, vo volatile and violent household, which made me a very angry boy. I was sexually and physically abused all my childhood. As a teenage, as a teenage boy, I was under a psychiatrist because of my temper. I used to punch windows and doors because I had so much anger inside of me. My way of dealing with this situation at the age of 14 was to drink and smoke hash. I was also 14 when I got in with the one crowd and started stealing cars and lorries to order. I took drugs to make myself feel normal and to get away from the pain in my life. I was quickly arrested and sent and was sent to Borstal in Dover for nine months. Nothing changed in prison and when I came out I just carried on doing the same things. When I was 17, I moved to Hambay to try and start again, but I couldn't do it, and my life of drugs and crime just got worse and worse. I went back to Borstal when, when I was 18, and for four and a half years, this time for assaulting someone who nearly died, my anger was out of control, and I was still drinking and doing hard drugs. By this time, acid up as coke and speed.
you might think this all stopped in prison, but I carried on as it was so ready available. Prison did not help me at all. I kept doing drugs and kept fighting whilst I was inside. I knew I would end up killing someone in prison if I wasn't moved to a, ma to a man's prison. So eventually I was moved to Wandsworth in London. This is where I met Reggie Cry and Charles Bronson. I looked up to them and thought I was one of them and didn't want to change. When I came out of Wandsworth, I once again got in, in with the wrong people. Only this time they introduced me to heroin. I, I started off just smoking it at first, but that wasn't working. It didn't take my feelings of anger and pain away. And so I started injecting. There was a song by Pink Floyd which sums up how heroin made me feel. It's called Comfortably Numb. I didn't feel any emotion, good or bad, while I was taking drugs. I was committing all sorts of crimes to find my habit. This continued for six years. With me being in and out of prison, I got married in this period and had two children, Andy and Tina. One day I used a dirty needle and three days later I... I was in trouble. My arm swelled up and felt like it was on fire. I couldn't see my hand at one point. I went to the doctors who sent me straight to hospital telling me I had compartment syndrome, syndrome and may lose my arm. I was in hospital for four and a half months having skin grafts, lots of operations and medication. They managed to save my arm, but I cannot open or move my fingers. I want to. S I went to stay with my daughter for a little while, but I was still committing crime and back on drink and drugs, so that only lasted for a few months. This was about eight years ago when I became homeless, and I have lived on the streets of Whitstable and Canterbury ever since. I started drinking, drinking heavily and felt de depressed and down. I looked for help and plenty of people tried to help me, but I wasn't ready, so I never accepted it and never changed. A couple of years ago, I started to go to Haven and the Umbrella Centre. They fed me and, and were kind, and they told me about a church called Riverside where I could go and spend a day, have food, and people would be kind to me, and I wouldn't be judged. I went to Riverside and I was in a bad, bad way. Jackie came and spoke to me and I told her a bit about how I was feeling. I got a bit tearful. She asked me if I would like the pastors to come and pray for me. She went and got Simon and Kelly and they came and sat with me in the lower lounge. They chatted to me and prayed for me and I just broke down and cried. It was such a relief. They just listened and loved me and I was looked upon as a human being and not an animal. <laughs> I stayed around for a while and came to church and even started an alpha course, but I couldn't, I couldn't deal with the people being so loving and I must admit I got myself into trouble again and ended up doing three months in prison. I wasn't going to come back to Riverside as I thought I'd let everyone down. But Margaret told me to come back and no matter what I'd done, I was always welcome. 
So I decided to come back and it just got better and better. I did Alpha this year and it changed my life. I met some lovely people and our group became a safe place for me to share and be myself. I now call them my friends. Watching some of this of the testimonies on the Alpha videos just gave me hope that people with a life as bad as mine can find new hope. I saw that Jesus really made a difference in people's lives and they, and they found peace and forgiveness. This is what I craved. I've made a decision to say yes to Jesus and accept his, li his life, forgiveness for all the bad things I have done in my life. I had prayer on Alpha Day. This was the first time I closed my eyes and opened my hands out and welcomed God's forgiveness in. I felt as if I had drunk a bottle of Jack Daniels and I couldn't stop shaking <laughs> with an experience better than any. What an experience, better than any drugs. My journey is just getting better and better. I can now say I have a home, which is so nice. I have to keep pinching my face to see if it's real, but it is real. I want to be baptised today because this is the start of my new life, saying goodbye to the old self and hello to the new one. <laughs> I know I have a long way to go, but with God's help and the people here, my new family, I don't, I now know I can make it and really change. There are literally too many people to thank, but have been so many friends here who have been part of my journey and have helped me get into my house and turn my life around. I am so very grateful because you have all rescued me from the pit, and now I am living my best life. <laughs> Thank you. I did warn you, that would be special. Thank you, Andy, you did amazing. So proud of you. Thank you. You can take a seat, compose yourself. <laughs> right then, that was it, weren't they? Amazing stories of God's goodness and transformation and, oh, just brilliant. Right, we've got a few different people doing the baptising. So, uh, Mark, I think you're first with Simon and Annabelle. Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside. <laughs>